0: Hey, this is Libby. Thank you so much for listening to SoundSide today. And I'm here to remind you that listener support is what makes public radio possible. If you value the journalism of KUOW and of NPR, show your support by including us in your Giving Tuesday plans. All gifts made up to $150,000 will be matched by the Rainier Institute and Foundation. That means it's a great time to give. You can double your impact and make a Giving Tuesday gift today. There's a link in the show notes to donate, and thank you. This is Soundside. I'm Libby Denkman. After weeks of watching and waiting, Seattle's Parks and Rec Department has cut a new passage for salmon next to a huge beaver dam that was blocking fish from reaching spawning areas in Carkeek Park. It's never an easy decision to intervene in these situations. How do you choose the welfare of one species over another? It's a question I wanted to explore. We're
1: just going to kind of take out this area. I think there were two lives there. So assuming these ones are different...
0: And that's how I found myself at Park, Park Beach on a rainy Saturday. Half a dozen people were in fishing waders and long, bright yellow gloves, combing the small estuary where Piper's Creek meets Puget Sound.
2: Okay, so predation is going to be a yes? Yes. Okay, and I'm ready for the length. Okay, so we're going to measure the length from the coddle, peduncle, or where the bone ends into the tail.
0: They're volunteers with the Carkeek Watershed Community Action Project Salmon Survey, and they were watching for the telltale silver scales and dark fins of chum or coho that have returned to spawn in their native stream. Soon after the fish spawn, they die, and this team's task is to count, examine, and collect data on those dead fish.
2: Typically, we would be able to see how spawned a fish is. If it was a male, you'd be able to see their milt sacks. And if it's female, typically you'd see an organized egg concentration inside of the cavity.
0: Sarah Jim has been part of the survey team for three years.
2: When we cut open a fish or remove it from the creek or from one of the beds, we put it back exactly where we found it or as close to as possible because it's part of the wildlife system.
0: Wild Puget Sound salmon spend most of their lives in the Pacific Ocean near Alaska. After a few years, they migrate back to try to find the waters where they grew up. From mid-October to mid-December, you can see their flapping tails in rivers and streams across western Washington. Females looking for good nesting spots, males hoping to fertilize eggs. But this spawning season, Piper's Creek salmon have been running smack dab into a brand new obstacle, a 60-foot beaver dam that stretches across Carkeek Park's central ravine. From the bank of the creek, we can see it's an architectural feat. The famously busy rodents have even incorporated a park bench into their
1: structure. A lot of people know about the bench because they've seen, oh, a beaver dam with a bench in it. So this bench is in, in concrete, so it's very solid, and they brought the dam right up to it, which is perfect. These beavers know what they're doing. They've done a really good job.
0: David Kuhn is the Salmon Program Director with Carkeek Watershed Community Action Project. This fall, he's watched a lot of fish meet the end of their migration road at this wall of branches, leaves, and mud. And we did
1: have a bunch of males trying to go straight in the biggest, thickest part of the dam. I don't think they'd ever get through there. It It is so thick.
0: The beaver's mega dam has drawn new park visitors to see the engineering marvel. But it's changed the experiences of some other nature lovers the Piper's Creek Salmon Run is popular because it's one of the few places to view spawning in Seattle. More than halfway through the season, Coon says fish were forced to compete for nesting sites. There are only a few within the first 300 feet of fresh water between the Puget Sound Estuary and the Beaver Dam.
1: Now everybody wants to see the salmon come down here and we're having lots of people trampling through the wetland and trampling over things.
0: It's one of the factors that drove him to ask the city to get involved to help the salmon overcome the dam. Beavers and salmon have long coexisted successfully, and Kuhn said he expected new channels to develop to allow salmon to pass as Piper's Creek eroded the surrounding dirt. But that didn't happen. This is a city park, and hard-packed gravel trails don't behave like the soft banks of a creek in the wild.
1: The human element here is uh, having, in a way, the biggest impact. It's the humans coming down, but it's also the human infrastructure that's here that is actually causing an impediment. And... I think that's what we should be addressing.
0: Not everyone agreed. Whether to intervene became a hot topic among the city, salmon advocates, and the Washington State Department of Fish and Wildlife. In early November, Seattle Parks and Rec provided a statement to KUOW that said the city was watching the situation.
1: Our staff is working with the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife to ensure we
0: manage beavers in accordance with state law, which includes exploring mitigation strategies to help protect the trees, salmon, and the salmon run, manage water levels near trails, And encourage the beavers to inhabit other park locations or relocation. But, the statement added, there was little the city could do. At present, dam modifications and other actions are not allowed by WDFW during the active migration season when adult salmon are present. Pacific Northwest salmon populations have been in decline for years. Climate change, hydropower dams, pollution and overfishing all contribute. But Piper's Creek is not a simple case beavers and their dams are a natural part of the ecosystem. And even when there isn't a giant beaver dam, the Karkeek Park salmon can't survive without a helping hand. Logging, overfishing, and other human activities around the watershed wiped out this natural salmon run in the early 20th century. Then, starting in the 1980s, people decided it was time for the salmon to come back. Now, Piper's Creek is a human-supported salmon run. In the spring, the Karkik Watershed Community Action Project works with the state and the Suquamish tribe to raise chum fingerlings in an imprint pond at the park. After a few days of soaking in their surroundings, the tiny fish have learned enough to hopefully remember the creek during their years growing big in the North Pacific and eventually come back. The salmon trying to get past the beaver dam this fall are mostly fish David Kuhn and his fellow volunteers helped raise in that imprint pond. Few, if any, of the chum fry that naturally hatch in Piper's Creek survive to mature and spawn. That's because the surrounding watershed is covered in single-family homes and dense urban development. Water runoff causes faster currents that scour away egg nests and carry salmon-choking sediment downstream. Kuhn says the run is an important educational opportunity.
1: We have people all along the stream. We get to talk to them about fish, about watersheds, what they can do in their yards, you know, building rain gardens, taking out uh, impervious zones, you know, using uh, permeable surfaces for driveways and patios, more gardens, more gardens, more gardens.
0: So that's the human impact. What about beavers? Ironically, in a natural setting, beavers bring a lot of benefits to salmon. The ponds they maintain as protection from predators also reduce sediment in streams, regulate water temperature, increase groundwater restoration, and promote healthy habitat for insect species that juvenile fish feast on.
2: You know, a lot of people call them ecosystem engineers because they really are creating new ecosystems where they're at, um, building these wetlands and ponds, and that's really special.
0: Elisa Kerr is executive director of the nonprofit Beavers Northwest.
2: They add to these ecosystems and make them really different and complex, which is what is actually important for our ecosystems. They want to be complex. Messy streams are the healthiest streams and the best for salmon.
0: Beavers Northwest has consulted with Seattle Parks and Rec on the beaver dam at Carkeek Park. The group advises governments and private landowners on beaver mitigation, say when flooding becomes a problem. Sometimes that can include notching a dam or inserting a flow device that allows water to escape when it hits a certain level, limiting the size of a beaver pond. Think like an overflow drain in your bathtub. Kerr says relocation is an option and the state does permit lethal trapping. But Beavers Northwest's goal is healthy coexistence.
2: Beavers have identified this as really good habitat. And so if you remove them from that habitat, it's very likely that a new beaver is going to move in and think it's also good habitat. So finding ways to coexist with the beavers where they're at, live with them, help manage whatever potential impacts there are from beavers, um, but keep all those ecosystem benefits and all that habitat rolling is really um, kind of the sweet spot that we aim for.
0: She says that the decision of what to do about the dam at Carkeek Park isn't an easy one for Seattle. The Parks and Rec Department has to balance the needs of salmon, beavers and humans.
2: You know, it's so true that this is a really hard path to walk, right? And, and this is true of all beaver coexistence work.
0: So experts say that animals can coexist. But It wasn't clear it could happen here, in this highly urbanized watershed. Over the next few weeks, I went back to Carkeek Park several times to observe the dam and the salmon and try to catch a glimpse of the beaver residents. You might even say I got a little obsessed. I was a Castor canadensis stalker. There's one of them right there. See him? Oh my gosh, that's him. I feel like I'm seeing a celebrity right now. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, buddy. And this is where I thought this story would end with Salmon hitting the dam and David Kuhn of Carkeek Watershed Community Action Project asking for intervention from a city whose hands were tied by state regulations. But a few weeks after my first visit, things changed. And full disclosure, I may be partially to blame. A journalist is not supposed to influence her story, but sometimes these things happen unintentionally. Here's how it went down. I called the Washington State Department of Fish and Wildlife to ask about what had to be their favorite topic at this point.
1: Yes, this is a beaver dam that is getting a lot of attention. And that's okay.
0: Stuart Reinbold is the King County District Habitat Biologist for Washington Fish and Wildlife. He understood the unique nature of Carkeek's conflict.
1: Beavers and salmon have uh, worked together, coexisted for thousands and thousands of years. It's very rare that a beaver dam will actually stop salmon migration. It's happened a few times.
0: But then he said the state actually does not tie Seattle's hands in this matter, as the city's statement claimed. That's right. The city appeared to have misinterpreted the laws governing beaver dam modification. Since 2019, Seattle has had a multi-site hydraulic project approval permit that allows for actions like modifications to a beaver dam in consultation with state fish and wildlife experts.
1: The city of Seattle actually does have a multi-site permit that allows them to do some modifications on the dam. So they actually already have something that they can use.
0: About an hour after my conversation with Reinbold, Seattle Department of Parks and Recreation spokesperson Rachel Shulkin sent me an email. We were able to get on the same page with Washington Fish and Wildlife and are now permitted to make small changes to the existing dam. She also added, There are plans to make changes in the coming days. It didn't even take that long. That very afternoon, two Parks and Rec employees in rubber boots and work gloves were down at Piper's Creek. Shovels in hand, widening a small channel on the north side of the dam.
2: What are you, what are you doing? To, uh, create a pathway for the salmon to swim around the dam.
1: That's very nice of you. Oh, well.
0: So. <laughs> David Kuhn was with them, carefully removing parts of the hard-packed gravel he'd been eyeing for weeks.
1: I think this is giving him a good shot. I think this will give him a good shot. Yeah. I think we'll see. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Is Will they find it? I think so. But I don't know. I'm not a salmon. So
0: was this a happy ending for coexistence? For now, it appears so. In the days following, Kuhn reported having to clear some leaves and sticks from the newly formed channel. The beavers had worked overnight to block it up. But he also said he watched more than a dozen salmon fighting their way past the dam on their way to spawn upstream. If you want to see the beaver dam and salmon up close at Carkeek Park, chum spawning season has started to slow down, but it should continue through mid-December. And take it from a pro beaver stalker, beavers are active at night. They're nocturnal, so your best bet to catch them is dusk, right as the sun is going down. I'm Libby Denkman. You're listening to SoundSide on KUOW. And hey, this show is only possible because listeners support us. If you are able to give right now, check out the show notes for a link to donate. And don't forget, you can listen live on KUOW 94.9 FM Seattle at noon and 8 p.m. Monday through Thursday or anytime online at KUOW.org.
1: At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause.